guys love uh, this room. This guy's this crowd. This is great. I'd love to think you're all here for me, but I know that's not the case. I just know it, but I'm going to absorb it and then take the stage by myself for a little while and enjoy the moment. There you go. Okay, done. All right. Let's get to the main event. Um, I don't know, we've been doing a couple of panels. Have you guys been going to the other DC panels also? Yeah. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun at the All Star Hall last night in the main room. Big crowd there. Uh, which I really enjoyed, just the energy and just getting a chance to mix with so many of our great, great creators. But this one's a little different. This one's a little more special. Um, something about a panel with just a couple of creators gets you a chance to really get a chance to listen to them, hear what they're thinking, hear what their thoughts are, uh, hear what inspires them, hear what they love, hear what they hate. Um, and from my standpoint, this is something that I really enjoy because even though I'm sitting up here, I'm as much as one of you guys. I get a chance to be a fan and listen to, to these guys talk and chat. Um, and uh, I would like to say neither one needs an introduction, but if I did that, then there would be no reason for me to be here. So therefore, um, let me do the proper introduction. Um, probably one of the latest addition to our great roster of talent. Um, we announced yesterday, or the other day, about the return of Young Justice, which I think got a lot of people excited. And then on top of that, he's doing a brilliant job on everything working on, on the Superman titles, both Superman in action. I'd like to introduce Mr. Brian Michael Bendis. All right. Thank you. There you go. Are you shaking this? What? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. 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 There's things in life that sometimes you go, I wish I could take that. It is, and I'm sure it just says, hey, Cassandra, look at the crowd I'm getting now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, the next person is uh, somebody I've got a chance to work with quite a while. Um, and it's interesting to work with people who you were fans of their work before even being in the business. Um, and whose work has inspired me, as Brian said yesterday, inspired him. Um, and truly, if no one needs an introduction, this is the person. Um, but I will introduce him anyway. Um, creator of Dark Knight Returns, Sin City, so many other great products, Mr. Frank Miller. Okay, we're here as comic book fans today, okay? 
That's nothing we done. This isn't about DC, this is about Marvel. I'm sitting here with Brian Michael Bendis and Frank Miller. You're a comic book fan if you're here for that, okay? Let's, let's, let's approach this the right way. So I'm here with you both, and you know what? I, I, I want to start with, with, I guess I'll start with you, Frank, because, um, I, you know, age before beauty, as the expression goes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just found out who's dying in Dark Knight 4. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Frank and I, all, we, we talk Thin about this all the time. Thin ice. <laughs> <laughs> but we talk about this all the time. We talk about Batman. My first time I met you, you were bringing pages uh, from for the Dark Knight books. Um, but here we are sitting talking Superman, and a lot of people thought you had an aversion to the character. A lot of people you thought you hated the character from the way you portrayed him in The Dark Knight. How true is that? But well, Batman did knock the snot out of him. But, uh, <laughs> but Superman was the first, uh, first superhero I fell in love with. I was, I was a little boy. Um, and before I ever read comic books, I was watching uh, Saturday morning cartoons that showed the magnificent old uh, Max and Dave Fleischer Superman cartoons from the 1940s. And from then, I, I you know, I, I, you know, I, yeah, I dressed up in a Superman costume under my school clothes when I was, like, you know, went to grade school. So I'm wearing one now. <laughs> well, yeah, Brian's a little weirder than I am, but, but it, it's, it's a, but, it, but in the course of doing Dark Knight, uh, the, I went through a variety of endings in my mind, and the first one I came up with. Didn't go over really well at DC because it involved Batman dying in a blaze of police gunfire. <laughs> but um, as I was working on it, but even that I kind of had him talked into. But as I was working on it, it was growing organically, and I realized it couldn't end that way. I couldn't do it. And it got more and more focused on the contest between Batman and Superman. And in the world of Dark Knight, well, let me just say. The Dark Knight didn't really work if it was a, if the world was a was a place of, of freedom, and uh, so you had to have the most powerful force working for oppression, and Superman had to be deluded into thinking that serving God and country was 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 to serve the powers that be and keep them from making things worse, or, and, and keep them at bay. And Batman, being a much more radical guy, would be would be wanting to to mess things up. Um, and, and it also made for a great climax for Batman to kick Superman's butt just once. And you know, it's interesting now. And now you're starting on Superman Year One, and it's a different take. It's a different sensibility. Um, have you able to separate the two concepts on how you approach Superman from what it was in Dark Knight to what you're doing here in year one? Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, 
I underscore that with my portrait of Batman that I've got planned in, in, in this series. Really? Yeah. So you flipped, the, you flipped the tables a little bit? I, I flipped them a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I'm going to go over to you. Um, it was interesting because naturally when you first came to DC, the, the, the natural inclination was to make you uh, want to draw Batman. And that's not what you wanted to do. And then when we started to talk about Superman, you tell about your own storyline of how you came to this spot in this place. So when we when we first met and we had that talk and I had mentioned Superman, you had that look like I did not see that coming. I did not and 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 but slowly you realized I'm a little Jewish kid from Cleveland. And when you grow up in Cleveland, because Cleveland doesn't have much, all you hear is we are the home of Superman and rock and roll. That's all you hear. And nothing else. Just, and just I'm sorry to interrupt, but just to underscore, um, Superman was created by two little Jewish kids from Cleveland. <laughs> so it kind of... So and when you're growing up in Cleveland and you got the starry eyes of comics, when you're like, wow, that's a job I would like, and you hear, oh yeah, two kids just like you created the greatest thing ever in a house just like yours, in a neighborhood right next to yours, and you go, oh, I can do this for a living. Like sometimes that's all you need to hear is like, oh, this can be done, someone else did this, I can do this. His father's name was Jor-El. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so even though I haven't been back to Cleveland in quite a few years, I, I had mentioned it to you, and unrelated, I go back to Cleveland for my brother's wedding, and I'm visiting the Cleveland Public Library where I used to hang when I, when I was younger, and um, they had put together a Superman exhibit, a really intense historical for a library, no messing around, exhibit about Superman. Uh, and I walked in the library not knowing it was going to be there, thinking, should I go to DC? Should I stay at Marvel? Should I do something else? And then I walk in, and my youth came smacking me in the face. And I put it on YouTube, you can see it, because I actually filmed it for my wife, because she, I, I, I go, you have to see this. The world is talking to us. And, and, uh, and by the end of this little trip, I was like, yeah, I, I have to. Like, I have to do Superman, I have to. And, uh, and there we go. And it's funny, you, you mentioned also, um, there was Superman's 50th anniversary, you were involved in some way. When I, when I was a kid uh, in, in college in Cleveland, there was a Superman parade uh, and a whole festivity because they were gonna build the Superman Museum in Cleveland. I don't know if you remember that. And, and so they had Jose Luis Garcia Lopez prints that they were selling and they had paraded. Stan Lee came to the parade instead of Siegel and Schuster because they weren't well enough to come. So he was, you know, Marvel was coming to pitch it to make this thing a, a reality. Now the museum and the statue that this whole thing was for never happened because Cleveland's run by gangsters, but uh, I got this incredible experience of just being part of the Superman world as a kid. Just I was drawing all the signs with the parades and meeting all the, meeting George Perez, and, and it, it really was just part, part of my growing up, it's part of my DNA in Cleveland. I can't, I can't imagine Stan Lee in appearing at the DC event, that's sort of like the Yankees thanking David Wright for a career with the Mets. Well, it's, one of the, it's one of the greatest moments of my life because I spent, I spent all night long drawing these signs, these Superman signs for the side, for the side of cars for parade. And for Stan and for George Perez and for these other actors. And all the, all the people for the parade were in a school bus and they get out of the school bus. I ain't slept in two days. I get ink all over me, you know, marker, poster, stuff, and, and he comes out of the bus and, and, and there's Stan Lee, and I know, and he goes, Brian Bendis, and I go, 
and he hugs me, and I go, you know my name? He goes, you're wearing a name tag, Smug. Uh -huh. <laughs> and at that moment, it was like Mr. Rogers swearing at you. You're like, oh my God, that was the coolest thing that ever happened. <laughs> Frank, I want to go back to you on, about your history with Superman also. I mean, you, you started at DC, and, what was, when did you first break in with DC itself? In the early 70s, mid 70s, mid 70s? Late, what? Late 70s. The 1870s. 1870s. <laughs> okay, that's good, good. Okay, I remember those days. Um, but there you are, you come into the offices, you have people like Kurt Swan, so many people that have been so recognizable. Actually, yeah, but, no, when, I, when I came in, the, 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 the guy who's, whose presence was most felt was Neil Adams. Right. Who was, who was in many ways, I mean, he, he was my godfather coming into comics anyway. Yeah. But um, he had, had just really hit like a tidal wave in the look and feel of DC Comics. Um, so no, I, I didn't come across Chris Swan or any of the old legends. Oh, that's interesting, because so, I'm, I'm always thinking to myself- That was before my time. Yeah, because so, I always think to myself, you hear the stories about the Kirby faces being redrawn to match the stylistic interpretation of Superman, of what it needed to be. Was that ever pressed upon you, or, is, or is that something you ever... Again, heard? before my time, the, the, the New God stuff was stuff I enjoyed from afar. Um, the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, no, I was very much in, I, I came in during the Jeanette Kahn era, oh, okay. the DC Comics. And so therefore, then you come in there right now and you're doing Batman. Was there any inclination that you needed to do Superman at an earlier time? Um, no, not really, because I, I had, um, I did, I, when I first worked DC Comics, I had, um, small bits and pieces jobs to do for, for the horror comics, which were, of course, called mystery comics, because, because, uh, well, that has to do with horror comics being ba banned for a generation or two there. But, um, but the, 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 uh, and I was, had, my stuff had just become noticed, and um, and Paul Levitz offered me a book called Claw the Unconquered, which was kind of a Conan ripoff. Um, and I, I, I jockeyed that by going over to Jim Shooter at Marvel Comics and saying, I've just been offered a regular job. And I, I happened to get two issues of uh, Spider-Man that featured Daredevil, and about the time that Gene Colan ran screaming off Daredevil after Daredevil after doing 500 issues straight, yeah. I, I, I snagged the job. <laughs> and wasn't that book uh, canceled? Wasn't Daredevil on the chopping block? And it was, it was, it was, it was down, I, I don't know if it was on the verge of being canceled, but I heard talk of that, but it was, it was not selling very well at all. Because it's one of those stories like you took a book that was dying and Save this one. That's the advice I've, I've, I, the advice I've given people breaking in that everybody thinks is stupid, which is I say, you know, look for a loser. Because if you, if you get on a winner, then you're just going to get compared to the last guy. You won't get credit for any success it has. But man, if the sales slump, you are to blame. But if you get on a loser, if it dies, well, come on. If, doesn't really matter who was on it, but it succeeds. You're the golden boy. <laughs> okay, 
and also, same with you, Frank, on this one. And so here we are doing Superman Year One. We're getting what's ready to come out next year. Um, why haven't you done Superman earlier than this, then? Why, why is this the first time? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say, you know, you, you brought Damn. <laughs> because I thought you'd never <laughs> No, it's just, no, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just, the, the, everybody just assumed I was the dark guy. And uh, one time Dan was actually in my home, and he was, and he was sitting on my couch, and we were talking, and he said, he said, you know, it's great that you're working with DC again. And, uh, you know, what kind of, what kind of, you know, is there anything we got that you really would like to do? I said, Superman. And you really could have heard a pin drop. I mean, <laughs> And he said something about how I thought that you kind of thought he was a bad guy, kind of beat him up. And then I explained to him how much affection I had for the character, and uh, and we we just started talking. And this whole this whole um, project has first rumblings. Okay, then working on Superman Year One, you have a very unique approach to the three issues on the you're planning to do. Um, how did you come to? the sensibility on how you wanted to break up and tell his story in the, for the early years? Women. Um, I, if you look at Superman, you look at the, the, the big history of Superman, and you could, like, if you look about it, you think that, you realize that, that he really had the best girlfriends in Congress. At every, at every stage of his career, everywhere he went, and also, my goodness. It's like, you know, people think of Batman as a romantic figure. Batman jumps and he just either falls or he grabs a rope. <laughs> Superman stays up. <laughs> and, and Superman's gorgeous, he doesn't cover his face up. The only, the, only, um, the only mask he wears is a pair of glasses when he doesn't want to admit who he is. Um, Superman is, is there's, there's no reason Superman shouldn't be essentially the, the sexiest character around. Um, if you look at that glorious first Superman movie, the sequence um, where, where Superman flies with the beautiful Lois Lane in his arms across the city is one of the most romantic and erotic sequences you're going to find in fantasy. So yeah, it would seem natural to go that way with Superman. And, and Brian... He's got a mermaid in his life! <laughs> it, it's, it's true. I mean, the, the way, you have three chapters. The first one's built around the relationship with, uh, with Lana Lang. Yeah. second one's built around the relationship with Laura Lemaris. Yeah. And the third one with Lois Lane. So it's, it's, it's really a fascinating progression. And, and, I'm, 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 and I'm, I'm pushing for a certain Amazon get, to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to reading that. Um, well pitched, that was good. <laughs> and Brian, we come to you. Now, when you stepped on board with Superman, there was a lot of apprehension. A lot of people questioned what you were going to do to the characters, what you were planning to happen to Superman. There was a lot of concern. And oh, well, because I, because you know, I sometimes jump on a book and blow it all up. Like, <laughs> I, I blew up Avengers Mansion. 
chickens, people are still mad at me, you know. So, I, and I get that totally. That that I, I, we're part of the blow up club. Andrew's <laughs> <laughs> mansion, Matt's Matt's home. Yeah, you. I learned stuff. I learned it from you, man. Anyway, so um, uh, yeah. I, but what was interesting is yeah, the, the Cleveland connection. But there's also something about just the character exuding hope. And I found myself just like needing it and, and looking at everything that you had to offer and going, I need hope. I need hope. And but what I didn't know is spending like six hours a day or whatever amount of time I'm spending on Superman, that you're literally all you're doing is thinking, what would the greatest person in the world think to do right now? So you're basically training your brain to think, what's the best thing that could happen right now, right? So that's, that's a great place to be. You're thinking nice thoughts about the world and everybody. And then I do find myself now going out into the world. You can't like then turn that off. You, you, you gotta still be a nice person, right? So I, you go, I find myself now going, ma'am, can I help you with your groceries? Like a lot more than I used to. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, that's not even a laugh line. That's one of the most wonderful things that can be said about the character. It fills you, it does, yeah. it fills you up. So I, I'm this close to being out in public with my hands on my hips, asking for it, but, uh, but not yet. I'm very close, I can feel it. Now hold on. But you know what, I'm gonna put this question to both of you. Um, I'm gonna start with you, Frank, first. Um, that's actually one of the problems with Superman. It's an inspirational character, it's an iconic character. It's, it's this, people have certain expectations of what this character should do, act, and behave. How does that inform your storytelling? How does that inhibit your storytelling, or open it up? I, there's a certain amount of it for me, which is going over the old material but treating it like it's brand new, and, and, and then pieces of it just jump out of me that just haven't been looked at before. Um, the one thing just in terms of storytelling was actually putting you in the rocket ship with the kid, um, and, 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 and having the, in fact, the entire eruption of Krypton happened from his point of view um, makes it scarier and less less spectacular but scarier um, and the, the and, and also the discovery of the powers is something that really I was surprised to find hadn't been examined that much that 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 um, what a strange childhood he must have had it wasn't just joyfully finding out you could do stuff. It would be being mystified, even terrified by some of it. What, what was the first heat vision like? I wouldn't want to be Mark Hent. <laughs> <laughs> and did you find, uh, I was surprised to find that of all the characters I had written before, the one that Clark most felt the connection to was Daredevil because of the extrasensory perception that Daredevil has, yeah, it informs yeah, his yeah. view of us. And they actually are both very hopeful. Like, you know, Daredevil's beating the shit out of everyone so everyone can have a nice day. Like, he's trying to make sure everyone else can have sunshine. And, and um, I'm trying in my work to express how um, Clark's extrasensory perception just fills him with love. Like that's like that, that's what he's choosing to hear and say. So I, I, that connection between the characters surprised me. Right? Yeah, because yeah, he, he he knows a bit too much about everybody, um, and that that is that is a weakness and a strength. Because and I, and I wrote to this a lot in in, in my Daredevil run, which was which was that it was that um, 
and he's, he lives the agoraphobe's nightmare in that, in that, that everyone, he is aware of almost what everybody's thinking. You know, and Daryl can tell what everybody smells like, what, what, you know, what, what they ate that morning, and all of that. And so much of who the character is, is learning to shut off what is not relevant. Um, and with, with Superman, since he's got all the powers that ever could have been imagined, you know, they came out of the bat making the first superhero, and they gave him everything. You know, I mean, it's, it's, um, the, that, you know, the, same, the same rules apply. Do you find that the fact that he has that wide breath um, difficult to write? Because it seems like in, in earlier days when people were writing Superman comics, they used to come up with new powers just to solve the problem of the story. The wise injury era. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it was all those extra things that were added on that people remember fondly, but when you look back, it diminishes the characters in some ways. And is that something that you see as additive to the character or something that you just seem to walk away from? I'll start with you on that, Brian. I, 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 yeah, I think it was Frank who said this, and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to remember the quote, but it's basically that his powers don't matter. It's just a good guy doing good stuff. It's like a, it's a, it, if he was a cop or a fireman, it's just the tools that he has to do his job at the level that he does it. Don't get wrapped up in the in the cosmic stuff. It's just that he has a job to do, and you know, it's Superman. There's always going to be something that he that only he could handle in front of him. But every hero has that thing, that mountain they have to climb, and so you just put them out in front of Superman. Well, in terms of mountains to climb, I think the mountains that, that <clears throat> the Lysinger era uh, DC had to climb was how do they keep Superman being the number one superhero? Um, and the, the solution to that was, no matter who comes up with a character, Superman's going to remain more powerful. And so eventually he became, you know, you, you really did expect him to punch out God. Um, <clears throat> it got so ridiculous. You know, he just traveled through time without thinking about it. You know, he did throw planets around and so on. <clears throat> but I think there's been a, there's been a real effort in, in, in the Superman books to, to, to make more sense of that. And uh, I'm mean, writing now. The parts I'm writing are more about the discovery of the powers. Do you, you have a, do you have a sense in your mind when you're writing them of a power level that he can achieve? To do you put limitations? on a character when you're writing so that it fits within the realm of the logic of your stories? Yeah, but yes. Yeah, but, but, but uh, not, I don't cheat. Like, you're, you're asking, like, you, you, you power him down so you can tell your story. You know, he, 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 he is Superman. And, 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 but, but much like sometimes a tweet isn't the best way to handle a situation, <laughs> sometimes Punching isn't the best way to decision. Back on more than I thought it would have Okay. That wasn't a reference to any. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of the things I most, find most interesting Superman is that he is not as elastic or as flexible as Batman. And what I mean by that is um, you can get a Adam West Batman, you can get a, a Paul Dini Bruce Tim Batman, yeah. you can get a Dark Knight, you can get a Dark Knight Returns, and you can get Batman. Right. You know? And you have this craziness going on. And they all work. And they all work. Yeah. Um, but Superman doesn't seem to have that sensibility. Even when we just talked about Dark Knight Returns, a darker version of Superman just doesn't feel right. 
or even as an artist, the interpretation well, becomes difficult. Well, I think, think, I mean, it was, what I, I find is that, it's a, in a way, it's the beauty of Superman, because with, with, with Batman, you've got a guy who's permanently and irrevocably traumatized by a personal, by, by basically by personal trauma, the, the, the violent loss of his parents. With Superman, you've got someone who's traumatized at birth by the catastrophic destruction of his entire race and the explosion of his planet. <laughs> but he got good step-parents and he got better. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is the picture of mental health here? Are you blaming Batman on Alfred now? That's what I'm starting to say. <laughs> I'm not blaming Batman on anybody. Except maybe that current Robin. But you know, I got. Oh. You don't speak that way about about your dad. <laughs> I could enjoy that. that was uh, but you know, you, you just brought up something because I got to tell you, Frank, I didn't I didn't get to tell you this, but I um, so often in my life, um, interviews and quotes you have given have been like exactly what I needed to hear, exactly what I needed to hear. And I know you've had people in your life. I wish I had the same experiences. But, but Lily, he, he um, puts the Batman Walmart book in front of me, kind of knowing that I was intimidated by Batman. Only because Batman had been the place where so many people had made their greatest art. Not, not just a few people, but so many people had made real art out of Batman. And you're sitting there going, man, what could I possibly add to that pile, right? And then I sit down and I open All-Star Batman and there's a, a, um, an introduction by you and you and Lily Maya goes right to you saying the words, Batman is the only character in pop culture that you literally can do anything to and the audience goes, that, that's still Batman. You can go as silly, as scary, as dramatic, as intimate and it's still Batman. The audience goes, yes, any other character, the audience goes, nope, that's not. Superman wouldn't do that, blah, 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 blah. And it freed me, it like completely freed me to, to do my Batman and I just, stuff like that you shared with us over the years has just been incredibly helpful. Two, two things, Batman. <laughs> the rainbow Batman. <laughs> this guy's flexible. <laughs> So, should we expect to get Rainbow Superman or no? None. <laughs> you know, you just, you just mentioned it also. You talked about inspiration. I'm going to go to you, Frank. Um, what did you draw for your inspiration in building Superman? It's so much. First thing was I started looking at, at, at some of the Joe Schuster strips and just how. When this was a brand new idea, how how the 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 uh, everything he did was new, and 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 it just felt energy just exploded off those pages. So that's the first stuff that I'm still, I'm still flipping back to that a lot. Mm -hmm. There's so many ideas in across those years. They're almost like punk rock comics. Those first few issues, they they they're just making them in their house and no rules and the genre doesn't exist and they just went nuts. And the other thing is is when it was it's sort of like Superman's wonderful in many ways, but one of them also is, is how it seems like just when Superman needs a lift, history provides one. And Superman was 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 real good, but then 
When World War II hit, Superman took a quantum leap. And, and uh, the, 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 the DC characters all did, but Superman in particular. Uh, the, the, uh, there's, there's one strip that, that Siegel and Schuster did. I, I haven't seen it again since. I just have a vivid memory of it where he actually was, was, uh, flew to some unnamed foreign war to the front lines and took the generals from both sides and plumped them into the no man's line in the middle and said, you guys figure it out. Yeah. And that was back before Superman became so damn Republican, like he did later. That, that this is what it, he was, he was just this, this, this force that seemed to be after justice without, without, without uh, an affiliation. It was in, by, by the time I was first reading him as a child, it, it, he'd just become a status quo hero, right? Everything to stay just the same as it was. Um, and it seems like the evolution has, has resumed in recent years, so that, that now, it, you know, what I want to do is help bring him back to being this, this iconic force that, um, and, and maybe play up the truth of justice and just not be so noisy about the American way. <laughs> We're having plenty of that now. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that was one of the brilliant things I didn't think of when I asked for Superman was uh, I'm writing Superman in a world where for the first time the ideas of truth, justice, and the American way are, are not being taken for granted like, by the world. Now, truth is something that people are arguing about. Uh, justice is not for everybody. We have, we have all now seen, right? In the American way, the idea that everyone can come here for freedom is under siege. These, these ideas in the real world are now, as cliche as they may have sounded 30 years ago when you were truth, justice in the American way, and now you're like, yeah, I want all those things. Will someone please fight for them? Mm -hmm. Superman. There you go. Both of them are really interesting points because we know the impact Superman has on society. Uh, we see it when we put out a book that if there's anything that even challenges those themes, uh, we get a very strong reaction to it personally and the company-wise. Um, but is that, knowing that in the back of your head, does that change how you might approach a story? That might change what you might write? I mean, I personally felt a connection to this part, not that I find, but, but I found myself personally feeling, have I done enough? Am I doing enough in my life? Like, are there these feelings, you get to an age where you're like, all right, well, you know, we may be at the halfway mark, let's take yeah. a look around, what, what haven't I done? And, uh, and, and so that propels my, like, as much as Superman does every day, he never thinks it's enough. He, you know, and so he has now people in his life, his father, mm -hmm. um, saying, I was hoping for more than you putting out fires in your baby clothes. What else you got? Yeah. So this story that we're telling this year is Superman really looking at his legacy, really looking what he's done so far, and looking to see what more could I do that the world would appreciate and benefit from. And Frank, I'm going to change the question just a little bit for you. Um, there's a certain expectation for your work to shock people, you know, to, to, to challenge the business, to challenge the voice of what's going on in comics. A lot of what you do attacks that. How do you reconcile your sensibilities and what the expectation is from your work while working on characters like Superman? You mean 
How do I reconcile the fact that people find my stuff spooky yeah. with the fact that I'm doing Superman? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Dan? <laughs> Folks? It's your job to reconcile it. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's uh, all I can tell you is I absolutely adore Superman. I will be absolutely true to what I think the character ought to be, and uh, I will do my very best. And, uh, you know, it's, you don't know where I live, so. <laughs> sitting here talking about the stories you want to tell, and the stories you like to tell, and what stories inspire you. What stories do you stay away from, like Superman? Is there things that you would not want to use this character for, or things that, you, as you start writing, you say, this doesn't feel right, do I need to change this or not do it at all? Lecturing. 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 A lot, uh, there's, for some reason, this character, some writers get on a soapbox, and I'm going to have Superman yell at the audience, and, and that's not... Nobody wants to be lectured anytime, anywhere about anything, is, is the news. But as a storyteller, you learned that, and um, Superman should teach you through his actions. And so, that's something I, I The only Batman should give speeches before Congress. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good point, because a lot of, a lot of sensibilities go in, and they, they make it very uh, political in what goes on with Superman. And this is a character, in my opinion, is apolitical in so many ways. He's so, mythic. Yep. He's mythic. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it is, my, my Superman is not going to be the Superman from Dark Knight. I mean, it's, 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 uh, that, that is an older, compromised Superman stuck in a Batman book. Um, and, and, uh, but Superman is a mythic character. He's, he's, he's supernatural in, in, in a certain sense. And he, he is not going to tell you how to vote. Um, it's, 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 it, he, he's going after much larger truths, and and and, and the, the truths are going to be emotional and moral, not 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 um, not political. And and we're we're making a mistake right on the stage that many many people make is that we're talking about Superman when Lois Lane is the best character in comics. Okay. So I, I, yeah, I, I have discovered this in, I, you know, I've always loved Lois, but when you are reading and rereading a deep dive of DC Comics. You haven't div dived into Jimmy Olsen, man. <laughs> Jimmy Olsen is great. We got great plans for Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen's got some serious issues. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy's been through a lot. Those covers, every cover looks like a PTSD for Jimmy. <laughs> Actually, one, one of the, I, I've, I've proposed a number of, a number of uh, returns to Dan over the past few years. One of them was to bring back Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Because, think of, think of, we should do that. That's something we should do. So, like, if there was, like, a really cool writer that I knew, who fucking the writer? Think for instance, thinks for instance what, what Jack Kirby did with Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. He made the best, best book in comics. 
Of course, Jimmy was kind of a small part. <laughs> but anyway, Lois Lane is the um, best uh, character in comics. I'm sorry, I did all of this reading. We all fall in love with one. She is, she carries the torch, she, she has all the, the, she's everything Clark has and none of the power to back it up and yeah. just dives right in. And well, that's, the, the, that's the thing that, that, that every once in a while somebody gets Lois, he does, and, and, and I believe I do, and, and you know who else got Lois? It was Richard Donner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, portrait of Lois Lane was fearless. And, and, and that helped define who Superman was, and it helped to explain why Superman was in love with her. She, she wasn't just this winsome, you know, slip of a girl who was in love with, with the Man of Steel. She was, she was, she was the, 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 the unbelievably intrepid reporter that the Man of Steel fell in love with. And also, if you really look at, the, at, at Clark's life, so much of of things were thrust upon him. Like yeah. he was sent here, he was told what he was supposed to do. The choice he made for himself was to be Lois Lane. Like that, that's when he said, you know what I, like for me, I want to be that. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's also interesting, Brian, because when you first started to, we talked about Superman and all that, um, one of the thoughts was to take her out of the book and, and leave her out for a period of time. And that was one of the first things he's changed. You brought her right back right away. Um, why'd you make that switch? No, I, I, it's a kind of a reset for the relationship, and you'll see it in um, uh, Action Comics 1004. Lois is back, and people see it on, online already, there's been some previews, but uh, Lois is back. And she didn't leave, to, to, they're not broken up or anything, she just left to, um, to be Superman. She has come back, we don't know what her deal is, but we're gonna find out, and it's gonna kind of reset the relationship in a modern sense, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's, I'm glad you brought that up, because also I, was, I wanted to get to the, the Jonathan question too, because that was a major change in the status quo of Superman, not only just being married, but also having a child. Um, how difficult is that to write a character as mythic as Superman, and as domestic as the relationship? You know, when you're a father and you see, particularly your little kids, you realize they're looking up to you that way. They're looking up, they, they, you know, but like my five-year-old, like, you know, I said to my wife, my five-year-old, like, sees nothing wrong, like, there's, there's nothing wrong with me in his eyes. And it's so exciting when he finds out there is, that they'll be coming, but right at the moment. <laughs> I talked to the kid the other day. It's such a bummer that he's gonna Stop, he says. But when you see someone looking at you like that, you can you can you can relate this to the Superman story. You know, it's just fathers and sons. It's just, it's just the, the, this man trying to be for this boy what he needs to be. But every child is different, and every child needs something unique from you. I have four kids; they all need different things from me, right? So his relationship with John is very special. John's a special needs kid. He's got very unique abilities that make makes his life different than everyone else's, and they have to raise him differently. So we're we're going to dive right into that. That's great. That's great. Frank, we're going to do it for a second because we have an old expression in DC: the, the 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 strength of the villain is what helps define who the hero is. Um, and quite honestly, you know there is a, some very strong Superman villains, but it also seems a very limited pool. I mean, Brian, we oh, talked about like it. Let's cut right to it, Dan. Batman got all the good villains. Yes, sir. <laughs> Except two. Which two? 
Dr. Octopus, and who else? <laughs> <laughs> the, the villain, sorry. Magneto, that's the other one, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Done properly, Lex Luthor could be the coolest. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, when I was doing my read, I, I was surprised how shallow the Superman villain pond was in comparison to like Superman and Spider-Man and other iconic yeah. characters. So, it, and how often throughout the decades, writers would have this amazing new idea and then shove Lex Luthor in. Yeah. And I'm like, if you left Lex Luthor out, we might have a new thing. So I've been, um, ha I'm so happy that Scott's so busy with Lex Luthor uh, in Justice League so we can introduce a lot of new antagonists into Clark and mm -hmm. Superman's life and, and see how they thrive and survive without the umbrella of Lex Corp hanging over everything. I can't wait to bring Lex Luthor in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the song, Paul Brian. But no, it's, it's, it's uh, the reason is that I, I was looking through some of the old sequence shoesters and I came across one story that showed Lex Luthor, you know, in, in you know, full figure, the way, the way that that that. Uh, um, that choose to drew him, and and I realized he was a big brawny thug, and that he was terrifying, and 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 uh, and that, that you know he was a menace on one side, and on the other you had the, the unbelievable character of Brainiac, which actually which who actually holds the city of Krypton hostage, and you got too great. There, it's when it gets into the you know just the silly ones they have. But what you toy man? Toy man and prankster. Prankster, please prankster. I thought Superman. prankster was a daredevil villain. I don't know. They, Jester. 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 Okay. <laughs> I knew it was one of those. One, look, when I got on daredevil, the first thing I did was flush the cat, <laughs> and I just started stealing Spider-Man material all over. <laughs> I said, Kingpin, you're not using Kingpin, okay, get on. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it's a, but, but the, but the, uh, um, I mean, it's just, it's just, Luther and Brainiac are both great villains. Um, and the, the, uh, and, and having Brainiac, Brainiac, he, he, he robbed the bank when Krypton was about to blow up. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's really like the, the worst enemy in the world and in the universe for Superman because he's not, he's not, he's not, he didn't just cash in on, on Krypton's death, but he's holding a city hostage. Yeah. Well, you put it that way, sure. And, and, and let's, let's, I'm going to go into a couple of things. And also, Brian, when you first came on board, you changed some of the key aspects of the early stage of the origin. Well, not really, though. The origin just, that, that, that's, that, I, I, would, I would never do that. Okay. I would never, that, that's Superman's origin. What, Superman's evicted from Krypton? Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he was politely asked to leave. Um, no, when you find out that it, there is a creature in the galaxy that um, had issues with Krypton as a society and actually had, was making, um, he wanted to cleanse Krypton, like before they reached out to destroy the rest of the galaxy, he thought they were they were going to they were going to spread out like a virus. Let's get rid of them now. Like it was a cleansing, and, and the idea that Krypton was cleansed 
instead of destroying, <laughs> instead of destroying uh, by natural disaster, but an actual act of hate brought brought Krypton's um, death could um, change Superman's perspective from a survivor of a natural disaster to the last survivor of a cleansing. And that makes, that makes the entire thing even more biblical than it already was. Because it was really the, the I don't laugh. You, I mean, he knows what I'm talking about. That, that, that the, the entire, um, the, the, the entire myth of Superman is Moses. And 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 it, it's uh, and if you, if it, I mean, there's no question that basically, Superman is the survivor of the of a huge genocide. So there's there's an awful lot that's very mythical in Superman. That's and that's where the uh, inspiration came from as a Jewish boy from Cleveland. And they talk about how the story of Superman is the story of the Torah. Well, they actually know uh, Moses escaped a Holocaust. He didn't just drive away from his people, he, he survived something. So I, I, I said, ooh, what, what if that was added into his philosophy of what happened to him? Like, that changes his, his motivations. So, and, and the, the world now sees him as a refugee and an immigrant, and not just a survivor. Well, he is the ultimate immigrant. He's the ultimate immigrant, and thereby, quote, the ultimate American. I will say that absolute, and I don't, I don't give a lot of credo to like when I get, you know, people give me crap online for all kinds of stuff, but there's nothing funnier when people yell at me in a tweet, Superman is an American! <laughs> <laughs> Look at him, he wears red, white, and blue. <laughs> Frank, I'm gonna go to you, because I mean, even with, with Batman Year One, you, you did some, some reinterpretations of the earlier days of Batman's career, especially around Commissioner Gordon and such. Um, could we expect any of that in Superman Year One? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to elaborate any further. I, no. Brian, would you like to see Frank do something in that book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely thrilled to see the Superman uh, year one. I, I, I'm dying to see uh, how he interprets the character at, at, at this stage in his career. That, that We were talking yesterday about how I kept going back to Daredevil, like I went back to Daredevil 10 years later to see what it, what you did that too, to see just what it would feel like. Like, who I'm a different person now. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm... I'm how is it you say it's weird? Dark, with Dark Knight, I go back and I look at it and go, Ooh, was I pissed off or what? <laughs> <laughs> and how much, how much, I have to ask you, how much of that did you change from when you went back? To go back to something though, what's different? It, it, it's just a mindset. It's not like I changed like the story. It's just like I'm more mature of a creator. I have a different perspective of the world. I, I, I may be less a strident in my views of justice and like, uh, like yeah. so let me let me let me examine that. And then it finds out that like when we went back it was actually more violent. It was more brutal. Like and, and to do a little bit of pause and Bill really really go and bring the thunder, but it but it got grittier to be honest. Well also he also as as you you know, as you get 
enough work under your belt, and and you you know, and you, you, you learn your craft better and better. Uh, and the walls, big walls, have broken down in this field. Um, there, you know, I came in, there was a goddamn comics code. It was it, it's, it, it thinks things have become much more free. It becomes silly to play the rep. Instead, instead, what you do is in, in, enjoy the opportunity you've got and, and concentrate on quality and achieving the most with it, um, rather than doing things that simply shock. And shock becomes something that is a, is a rare and powerful spice, rather, rather than an overweening goal in your life. <laughs> and, and it's and I want to ask you also, Frank. This is the first time you're really tackling something in so way. Is you must have had a lot of stories in you, a lot that you want to do. Is it is it tough to just pick one story? You're going to try to push a lot into this. How do you manage working on a project like this when it's your first chance at it? Well, I'm I'm, I'm this series is is introducing me as if you were a brand new character. Um, just as, as Batman Year One did, it's, it's meant to be the book that can add people. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, to, to just sort of get them started, but also to get, to get them very involved in this young Clark Kent um, and what he's going through. The, the uh, I mean, I, I, I want to do a lot of stories about this guy. Would you ever do a monthly book again? I imagine, I imagine, yeah. If, uh, yeah. The only thing I do it on is, is letters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, I want to ask you real quick on something. How do, you, how do you manage writing Clark Kent and Superman? How do you write the two characters? Do you write them differently? No. How, you know, it's, it's the same guy. It is. Yeah, it's the same guy. And, and, but um, something about the outfit, he kind of he kind of like turns on the Superman a little for Superman and turns on the Clark for Clark. Like he just, you know. I, I think he's more comfortable in his Clark skin. I think there is more, I, and you'll, you'll notice he's more Clark-like around Lois in their privacy. Like you see, he's very vulnerable and, and quite emotional around her. It's more human than, than you know, like like when he's Superman, he's, like, he's dad, right? He's, he's dad's got to, you know, put on a face and, you know, yeah. and, and be a, a solid force for everyone around him. And then when he's Clark, he can, he can be us. You can cry and be sick and whine and cry. Yeah, I like I like I like to say that that that, uh, that you know Clark Kent puts on a uh, puts on a costume and uh, Batman dresses up as Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. that, that, that he's Batman all. The time. And and you, Brian, I want to ask you: You coming into Superman? Is there? What's the one? Is there one story you want to tell? Is there something you are looking to push more than anything else? Of all the craziness that exists in Superman's world, is there one element? You that, know what it is, right? and I'm not allowed to say it in the room. Yeah, you can but say this. Say this. Say this. Sounds good. I'm in the middle of a very long, epic Superman story called the Unity Set, mm -hmm. and at the end of the storyline, we are going to introduce something into the modern DC Unity universe. Unity. Like, like united, things are uniting, like planets are uniting, 
Oh. Come on, this is a this is a crossover with Valiant Comics. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Maybe. No, but no. This is uh, we're 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 establishing uh, a very big part of the DC universe in the modern setting, and one of those things is where the United Planets came from, from the from the Legion of Superheroes. We never saw what happened that made it all come together. So down the road. And Frank, we're about to, we are about to get the uh, to end our time here. Um, is there one closing takeaway that you have for Superman that you feel you carry on and want to share with, uh, with the, the people? What do you, when you think Superman, what do you see? What do you hope he does for everyone when they're reading your books? Dan DiDio, master of the easy question. <laughs> <laughs> what part of the Bible you like best, Dan? I think that I think that really it's it's the romantic side of Superman that I'm most excited about. That that that, that uh, I, I think that this is an angle that really hasn't been investigated. This is this is that 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 for Superman there is quite literally a woman on every port, at every port, and on every planet, and, and, and it's it's. It's not that he's that he's randy, you know. I'm not going to treat him like he's a playboy or anything. I just mean that that he is immensely attractive, and he easily, um, he, and he, he he basically is in love with life. So every so 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 that naturally there would be a romantic aspect. And I don't I don't mean he's going out having wild times in every gallon universe or anything, but he does sweep women off their feet. <laughs> I want to bring more of that. Excellent. Well, listen, I believe we're out of time. But before we, I gotta say, listen, Dan, you know, we've talked. When I came to D.C. and all, and all the joy that has come with me, to share a stage with Frank and talk about Superman is a great gift that you brought us. Thank you for this great moment. Thank you. Thank you.